This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Stories brought down in the Ma'am Loyes, all the way in the beginning in the Hakdama, in Bereshis. And he says the following story. Maisa B'Melech Gadol is a story with a, a great king. He wasn't like all other kings that just gave people things for free. He made them work for what they what they got. And he didn't let them become greater unless they were tested. So he had three sons. He had three sons. And he sent them on a boat. And he sent them to Lavakush, I guess, past Ethiopia. And they found, he, he dropped them off by a, uh, by a, um, a piece of land, an island. And on this island, this is a very famous story, there was a Gan Gadol Mahod. It was a very huge garden. Okay, they come out of the boat, they come to the shy, to the gate of the garden, and there are three Shimrim there. There was a man, an old man bent over, when he saw these three boys, the three princes, he said, You can go into the garden. I will do you should know. In the end, you're going you're gonna to have to come out. You can't stay there forever. Okay. He was ugly, very ugly, full of all kinds of boils. He said to them, Eat and drink as much as you want. But know that when you leave, you can't take any food with you. The third one was a regular man. He wasn't old. He wasn't young. He was very good looking. And he said, you can pick good fruits to eat, but don't eat fruit that is not ready. And he said, you'll find the high rice, there's wells and rivers, gold and silver, jewels, um, and you can enjoy yourself, but you need to know that you cannot leave with anything in your pockets. Okay? So they all three went into the garden. One of them sat down and just stuffed his face. And he ate all the time. The other one wanted to make a lot of money, so he gathered silver and gold, and he filled up his pockets, but he said, that's not going to support me as long as I want. So he took off his clothing and he made sacks from his clothing. So he said that Lemaisa, he was pretty much walking around without any clothing on, like a monkey. But he had all his sacks full of, full of gold. The third one, which is all of you, they didn't, he didn't do the things that the first two did. But he went to start looking around the gun. It's, it's very connected to what we're going to learn about tonight. And even the fruit. So... He started to look around the gun, and he said, Who's the owner of this gun? The rivers go into the lakes, and they irrigate the plants, and the trees, and the flowers. There's an architect here. There's something, there's something, there's an architect here. And he wrote down in his notebook all the different things that he saw, and how things interacted with things, and how things made other things grow. Okay? But he had to eat. So he ate a little bit to stay alive. He also saw one big beautiful jewel. 
So he put that in his pocket. But he had no cheshik for everything else. His cheshik was to understand who created this garden and who's making it work. Okay? Now it's time, the boat's whistling, it's time to leave. The first one that goes out um, gets sick right away because everything that he ate was not good for the outside and um, on the boat he dies from all kinds of sicknesses. The second one comes out with no clothing on, right? He's got all these jewels and everything and, 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 and he comes to the gate and they said, you told, we told you you can't take anything out. So he ends up going onto the boat without any clothing, without any jewels. Third one comes to the gate. He remembers what they said. He had only one jewel. So he put the jewel, took it out of his pocket, and he put the jewel underneath his tongue. And he gets onto the boat, and to make a long story short, you all figured it out already. Um, the two that are left, one die, the two that are left come to the city. One's like a monkey with no clothing on. They're like, you're not, we're not taking you to the king, you're, you're a disaster. And then he, the other one, the other one comes to the king, and he tells the guards, I'm, I'm the son of the king, and, and they, they bring him in, and he says, I have to ask the king something. The place you sent me is an amazing place. I've never seen anything this in the world. He took out the, that one Jew. Look, this, this Jew I found, you don't have this jewel in your whole kingdom. And the whole time I was there, I'm trying to figure out who is the Balagan. And that's all I did. When he heard this, he was with love, he hugged him, he kissed him, and he took the matanas that this guy brought him this jewel. And how he didn't go after the Hevah So he told him in secret, call Saidas all the secrets. that he wanted to know. That he created this gun. And that he became great like the king. And that's what our Kurdish Baruch Hu does in this world. And we come down to this world, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight. The our Neshamas, we come down to this world, and we have all kinds of hopes. There's, there's a whole Zoyar, how the Neshama waits sometimes 500 years to come down here, because we don't understand what the Mishnah says, that one moment of tshuva and maizim toivim in this world is greater than the whole next world. They don't want to be in the next world, they want to come to this world. They're not doing anything up there. Abracha! One piece of Gemara, give it a name. When Moshe Rabbeinu went to get the Torah, the Malachim were like, no, it's ours. Hashem said, no, you can't do anything with this. Mamash, everything, anything, every, every mitzvah is like so amazing to be able to say, it's so amazing. So the Neshama can't wait till he gets down into this world. Now, what are these supposed to be doing in this world? And what does this have to do with Yom Kippur? So, very, very, very fascinating, very fascinating. In Hilchus, in Hilchus, Tshuva, in the tenth parak of Hilchas Tshuva. Okay, so this is like the summation of Hilchas Tshuva, and he says the following. You can look it up tonight. Al Yoyma Adam, a person should not say, 
person should not say, I'm doing a mitzvah, I want to go get Aiden, I want to be a Mashiach, come, you should not say that. No, you shouldn't not do sins because you're scared of the Torah. that you shouldn't get kares or misa or any of those other terrible things. Ain, I'm reading you from the Rambam boys. Ain, ra'oi l'avoid es Hashem It's not correct to, to serve Hashem because you're scared you're going to burn in hell. Or you're going to get some disease. Or you're not going to get married when you're supposed to. Or all those other things. He says, no. He says, this is not the way the Nevi'im of the Chachamim. Don't repeat this to anyone what I'm about to tell you. The only people that serve God out of fear that they're going to get punished. Fools. Don't repeat this. Women. And children. We have to be them to work to serve Hashem. Until they get their brains. And they... Serve Hashem for Abba. I think it's a very big chiddush to everyone in this room. I don't, I don't know how many of you guys learned the tenth parak, and I think it's a very big chiddush that if you if you do mitzvahs because you want a reward, or you don't do a mitzvah because you want to get punished, it's not the way of Hashem. It's not it's not the way of the Torah. Totally wrong. This this teaching children, teaching killed kids that all Hashem wants to do is burn you in hell and give you kares, and you're going to say in your kipper, chenai. Oh, he's going to choke me. Or he's going to burn me. Or he's going to cut my head off. And if he's not done with that, he's going to have the Mises B'day Shemayim, and then there's Croesus. And you're like, and Malchus, who, who, who wants to be part of this religion? This sounds evil. Hashem's going to do something to me. He's going to kill me. Right? We, when it's not a tiger, what do we say? We have a who's going to choke, who's going to burn, who's going to drown. And you're supposed to be happy on Yom Kippur? So what's going on here? The Rambam says, no, 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 no. There's something called punishment. There's something called consequence. And there's no punishment. It's all consequence. What manashtana, what's the difference between being punished and a consequence? So, if you tell your kid, listen, Malki, if you're not home tonight, you got to be home by 11 o'clock or else. She comes home at 11.15. All the doors and all the windows are locked. Ma, let me in! Nope, you're sleeping in the street. I told you to be home at 11. It's called a punishment. It's not a consequence. Consequence is, at 11 o'clock, we're closing all the doors. So if you come at 11.01, you're going to end up in the street. So I know beforehand, right, the store, the, the, the restaurant's closing at 10. If I show up at 11, they're not punishing me. The consequence of showing up at eleven o'clock to a store that closes at ten is no one's going to be there. They don't like. They don't even know you. So Hashem gave consequence in the physical world. If you drop a glass on a marble floor, it's going to break. Is the glass angry at? Is the floor angry at the glass? Is the floor punishing the glass? No, absolutely not. The consequence. So in the physical world, there's a consequence, and in the spiritual world. So Hashem tells you the consequence of a neshama that kills is going to be this. The consequence of znus is going to be this. It's not a punishment. It's a consequence to get that neshama clean. 
So sometimes you have a stain, you got to put it in the washing machine. Sometimes you got to put it in the dry cleaners. Sometimes you got to soak it in whisk. Sometimes you got to soak it in bleach. Sometimes it doesn't need bleach, it needs just a gentle. So those are different consequences. In the physical world, in the spiritual world, is the same thing. He says the, the relationship has to be from love. But wait till you hear what he says. How do you how do you get to Ava by sitting in Yeshiva and learning? Not, not you're not going to buy Hashem a Hallmark card or a dozen roses. That's not what it's all about. Like in our story, trying to figure out who's the creator, who's behind this whole thing. Do the truth, do the mitzvahs, do the truth. The nation who MS. Now. He says, Kate said, What's this love that we're talking about? This is a Chiddush Gadol, Rabbi. You have to excuse me for what I'm about to read. Chiddush Gadol. This is what he says. What does it mean to love Hashem? What does it mean? You should love Hashem with a huge love. Yisera, extra. Aza, with chutzpah. Ma'oid. Until your soul is connected to the love of Hashem. What does this mean? What does this mean? Still, if I finish and I walked out, you'd call, you'd say, Rebbe, he, Rebbe was talking about loving Hashem. How do you do it? He didn't tell us how to do it. How do you love Hashem? Walk out and say, Hashem, I love you. I'm crazy about you. It's a good thing to say. So he says like this. He says, the way... You would love a woman, he says. The way you would love a woman is the way you have to love Hashem. What does that mean? What does that mean? The nimtza shayge batamid. He's thinking about her all the time. He's mamish, sick in love. Guys know, I always know when guys are getting engaged, when they lose 20 pounds, you know it's very serious. Right? They come to Yeshiva, all of a sudden they lost 20 pounds, and you're like, why did you lose 20? I don't know. You know he's going out very seriously. He doesn't, his, his mind is 100% all the time thinking about his love for this woman. He's meshugga with him. He's with her. He can't sit. He can't get up. He can't eat and he can't drink. More than that. Like it says, like it says, you have to be in love with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. What's going on over here? So I remember. Ari can't repeat this to my wife. I'll get into trouble. Where is he? Where are you, Ari? You here? Oh, here he is. Okay. So you can't repeat this. He definitely will repeat it. So, so when we were going out, she was 17, I was 19, or just 20. So we got engaged, and I would never hang, and, and at the end of the phone call, I would say, okay, hang up. She go, no, you hang up first. I'm like, no, you hang up first. For two hours we did this. I'm not hanging up on you, well, I'm not hanging up on you. So who's going to hang up first? Shugam, kids in love. Young kids in love, right? So we spoke for an hour, and for two hours we hung up. <laughs> So you, so, so you take off your tefillin and you walk over to the Arun HaKadosh and you, whatever you pray you say and you leave and then you get to the door and you're like, yeah, I gotta go back. 
That's what it is. It's like you finish your ten kapitals, and you're like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to leave yet. One more, one more Mishnah, one more Gemara. It's over. One more, one more, one more. I don't want to hang up on you, Hashem. I don't want to hang up on you. Hashem says, "I don't want to hang up on you. I don't want to hang up on you." That, 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 that's the level that the Ram was talking about. Do we have that level? That's what the Ram was talking about. So, so what, how do you do that? How do you do that? So you do that by by everything everything that you do in your life. Whether you're sitting or standing, you're eating or drinking, everything you do in your life, you're thinking about Hashem. That's what you're supposed to say, by the way. You're supposed to say in your Kippur or Shoshani, say, if Hashem, if I have to get sick, if it's written, you know, it says, Mavir and Roya Zegzera. You ever hear my share on Mavir and Roya Zegzera? It just went viral in, in, in America. Very fa- what does that mean, Mavir? Tshuva, Tfilo, Tzedakah, should say, Kroya Ragazin, Gazinainu. Hashem should rip up our Gazar. It doesn't say this. It says, Mavirin. He moves it. What does it mean he moves it? That's not good enough. You don't want him to move it. Where's he moving it? Mm-hmm. You want him to rip it up. If you have a bag, Zerah, me, 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 Yechia, me, Yomus, you want him to rip it up. Doesn't say that. It says Mavirin. So, I'll tell you a story that happened to me a while ago. I, um, so I have, you know, I deal with a lot of girls in a lot of situations, whatever it is. And I don't get to sleep usually until around 3 o'clock at night. You know, when you get into that bed and the blanket's cold and that pillow's cold, and I got two pillows. So I got my hand between the pillow and my head's on the pillow. What's the worst thing that can happen to a guy when, when that happens? Anyone here know? You have to go to the bathroom. No. No, you, don't, you, you go to the bathroom before you get set up like that. You, you remember, you did not admire. What's the best thing that happened? Oh, yes, I dabbed early tonight. <laughs> the best thing that happened. So, so anyway, so... I always leave my. I always turn my phone on vibrate off, not off, when I go to sleep. So in other words, I tell people if you call me and I answer, you didn't wake me up. You didn't wake me up because when I go to sleep at three, I turn my phone off, not off me off the sound until I wake up in the morning. So you can't wake me up. Okay, I get to bed three o'clock. I'm in bed. I'm drifting off. Had a long day, and my phone rings. Once in a while, I just forget, and my phone rings. And once my phone rings and it's 3.13, it's an emergency. Not Someone's not just calling me. Unless it's someone from centers that forgot Israel time and American time. But otherwise, right? So it was a true story. I pick up the phone. What? Hi, it's Hatzala Milbasin. We have one of you girls. She's not willing to go to the hospital. We're fighting with her. Unless, um, unless you go with her. I'm like, listen. I'm not even in pajamas. I'm in... Under my blanket, and I'm going to sleep. And your hot salah, your hot salah, your job to take her to the hospital, and I'll visit her tomorrow. And they're like, she's putting up really a fight. She's biting, she's kicking. We're in your driveway. <laughs> she tells me, if you would just come downstairs. Okay, it's like the worst nightmare. And, I'm, and, and as I'm walking down the stairs, I'm like Hashem. I give my life to you, but this this, this is not a fear. Three fifteen in the morning. I just just I'm mamash in my blanket already. The true story. So I, I get into the I get into the ambulance, and she's talking, kicking and fighting, and I get it to calm down. They have to tie her down, actually, whatever it is. And they're like, the parents aren't there. The parents are out of town. She was doing drugs. She was having a reaction. I gotta go with her to the hospital. So she's on the gurney. 
and I'm sitting on the side of the ambulance. And we're driving to Maimonides, and I'm thinking to myself, like, why me? And all of a sudden I came to realization that on Rosh Hashanah, they wrote that at 317, December 12th, Wallerstein will be in an ambulance going to Maimonides. The question is, will I be in the gurney with a heart attack? Will I be with one of my children that's hurt? Or will I be helping someone and doing a chesed? That's up to you. If you do chesedim, Hashem will put you in there doing a chesed. If you, so I realized, Mavirin is why I say Xerah. is you're going to be in a hospital. You're going to be in an ambulance. But if you do the right thing, Chuba and Tfil and Tzedakah, they're not going to rip it up. They can't rip it up for whatever reason. You're going to say, okay, you're going to be, you're going to be in an ambulance, but you're going to be helping a kid. All of a sudden, since then, I know they call me, I don't care when, I go. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be in the gurney. So that's what my vira in Israel Gzera means. To, to move the bad of the Gzera, not to rip up the bad of Gzera. So, if you have a Gzera this year, boys, has to show that someone in this room has to be a chola, has to be sick, let it be chola avani. let it be sick, sick in love with Hashem. Why would you want to be sick? So Mavirin, if you have that relationship, then you can be Mavirin, you can move that relation to Mavirin as well as like Zerah. Okay. So, the reason I brought this, these fruits in, and I had, um, and I had flowers also, um, so I, I deal, so what does this mean to be with Hashem all the time? What does that mean? To always be with Hashem. What does that mean to always be with Hashem? So that means that anything in your life, all you're thinking about, the object, when you see an object, what you're thinking about is who's the, who's the master of the garden? Who, who put this together? So, I deal with a lot of atheists, kids that think they're atheists, and they come to Rabbi Wallstein because my word got out there that I'm the atheist buster. And half these kids that come to me don't even know how to spell the word atheism. It's like, I'm like, spell it. If you can't spell it, you're not an atheist. So, atheism anyway. So, so they all, I've never met a happy one. I'm doing this for 20 years with athe- with these kids. No one ever walked in and so like, Yo, what's up, Rabbi? I'm an atheist. It's like, How do you know this Hashem? Yeah, prove this Hashem. They're miserable. Why are they miserable? Because if you don't believe in God, then you believe in the theory of randomness. There's no God. So stuff just happens. So this guy's rich and you're not. Stuff just happens. You're sick and he's not. Stuff just happens. He's married and you're not. So you walk around your whole life Stuff just happens. It's a miserable life. There's no meaning for anything. No meaning for anything. Miserable life. But, it's an excuse not to do the Torah Mitzvah. So, this is Red Wallstein, I don't believe in a creator. That's an atheist. So I'm like, okay. I, 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 most of my stuff's gone because I had it by the, I had it by the last year that I just gave. Ah, let's make a bracha. Bracha Ah. Why are we making a bracha? Because outside Rabbi Wallstein's house is a mint plant and a lemongrass. And every morning, I have a lot of them growing there. Every morning I walk out, every morning I take the mint and I crush it up and I make a bari isbeb samim and I smell it and I smell the lemongrass and I'm like, God, I don't get it. I don't chop. They're both growing out of the same dirt. I didn't bring my dirt with me today because I know I slept it from America. You're like, why are you taking dirt? Right? So, so they're both coming from the same dirt. Boys, does dirt have smell? 
For those who never smell dirt, it doesn't. Does water have smell? No. Does air have smell? No. Does the sun have smell? There are four elements that make things grow. Earth, water, the sun, and air. None of them have smell. How does my plant, peppermint plant, mint plant, have smell? How do these leaves have smell? What makes this grow? Water, sun, air, dirt. (coughs) Who's the master of the garden? Now, I don't have them here, but I have a bouquet of flowers. White roses, red roses, purple roses. The earth has no red of a rose. The earth has no white, and the earth has no purple. Where's the color coming from? The sun is yellow. It's not white, purple, or red. The air is clear. The water is clear. The dirt is brown. So how could you have from the ground birds of paradise, which are purple and orange, and all these other colors? Where, boys, you're living in this world. Where do the colors come from in our flowers? Where do the colors come from in this fruit, in the star fruit, which Hashem made in an interesting shape? And he made everything in different shapes for us. All this stuff could have been round. Round banana, round, right? He did this for us because he loves us. For Adam, if there's only one of us, there still would be as many of these different things, right? I don't have to do this for you. I had a red apple, I had a green apple, I ate, I ate the green apple, right? So when you walk into a fruit store, this is not fruit, this is God. What the Rambam is saying that when you sit, when you eat, when you eat, when you eat something, you're thinking about, why did you do this to me, Hashem? You could have just made apples. Why did you make all these different fruits? Why did you make different smells? So to the ladies I spoke, I said, spices when they cook. Spices, pepper, salt. Salt is amazing. Salt is a rock. Try to eat pebbles. You can't eat pebbles. But there's one rock Hashem created that's salt, that's in everything. And that kosher salt, which is used to pull the blood out of meat. If you didn't have salt, you couldn't eat meat. It wouldn't be kosher. Now, when you see salt, are you thinking that? No. So you're not connected through the food. What it means is everything. Your eyes, your glasses, your, your body, everything that you do. You to think about that. When HaKadosh Baruch gave you the ability to have eyes, to be able to see if you know anything about eyes, Rabbi Miller used to always speak about that. You're able to run with your brains talking to your whole... I mean, everything that, was, everything that goes on in a person in a human body. So whatever you're doing, what you're learning... So I'll tell you a story that happened in, in a classy... I'm not going to tell you the name. It was high school in New York. So they invited me... Ooh, I'm making a lot of noise on these phones. It's a thunderstorm. Anyway, so... They invite me to the school to speak. They called me a day before. Rabbi Wallerstein, we're canceling you. We're pushing you off a day because we're going to the MoMA. Not Mama, MoMA. MoMA is the Museum of Art. Big, fancy, schmancy museum in Manhattan. I said, wow, could I go with you? And they're like, are you kidding me? No, no one's dressed there. Like, all the sculptures are undressed, men and women. All the paintings are of, I don't want to use the word in a base madrash, not dressed people. So you can't go there, right? So I said, one second, you're a base Yaakov. 
How could you go there? It's different. <laughs> it's culture. It's art. Oh, for me, it's not art. I said, if your parents would ever catch you looking at a picture of a guy with no clothing on on your phone, they would take your phone away, and I, they would probably send you to Antarctica. Now, you're going to walk into a museum that's full of sculptures like this? Art. Yitzhahar is brilliant. It's art. Art. They got people standing in the middle of Manhattan a few months ago. Middle of Manhattan, like 40 people, no clothing, not a stitch of clothing, not a hairpin. Okay? Nothing. It used to be illegal. No. Art. Everything is art. Yitzhahar. Everything is art. Everything is off. Seriously, nobody can complain because in the old days you got a, you got a ticket for it. No, there were things shot. Art poses. There were art. Shugam, right? So, so the day they came back afterwards, the next day I came. I wasn't happy. I don't like getting canceled for MoMA, right? I'm giving you a shit and you're going to the MoMA. But okay, so I walked in. I'm like, girls. So how was it? They're like, oh, so lucky you didn't go. Oh my gosh, Rabbi. There's stuff in there. I'm like, oh, but you can, no, you can, I have no, you can go, but I can't go. Okay, no problem. The one girl says, Rabbi, there's a painting of a landscape of a farm with a couple of sheep and cows and a lake. And in the lake, the, he captured the reflection of the sun and the clouds. In, so you have the sun and the clouds, but you see them upside down the other way in the lake. A real reflection. Godless. I said, she said, it's godless. It's like, Brad Walsing, you have to see it, but you can't see it. You can't see it. I don't, they don't, I don't think they let you take photographs of the painting, so they couldn't even show it to me. I said, Pah! you got impressed by a copy. She goes, no, 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 it's an original, whatever the guy's name is. Pucato, Pescado, Pescrito. Right? So, I said, no. No, Hashem made the lake. Hashem made the ability of water to reflect. Hashem made the sun, and that he, Hashem made what was reflected. So this guy copied the original what Hashem made. You are impressed with the copy. I am impressed with the original. You cop everyone because we're also impressed. Oh, look at that painting, right? Painting of the Kotel. What about the Kotel? Hello. <laughs> So there's always this one kid, especially in girls' schools, that's a wise guy, that's smarter than the rabbi. She raises her hand. Rabbi Wallstein, I respectfully... I hate those. <laughs> I respectfully disagree. It's like, disagree, disagree. Don't give me the whole I respectfully disagree. I said, okay, a brainiac. She says, what, what's amazing is not the painting, rabbi. What's amazing is that a human being is able to capture it in a painting. Psh, everyone was like, she got the rabbi. I'm like, that is so silly. Because who gave the painter the different colors of paint? Who created a canvas? And who made a human being that they could have eye-hand coordination and have that ability? The creator. They're all copies. It's all copies. She wasn't happy with me, but that's not the first time. That's what the Rambam's talking about, boys. He's talking about a relationship. Now, now why is this in, why is this in Hilchas Tshuva? Why is this in Hilchas Tshuva? And the answer is, it's in Hilchas Tshuva 
because you can't stand in, your, in front of Hashem on Yom Kippur if Hashem is going to be Badin. Nobody, nobody can pass an IRS audit. Nobody can pass an IRS audit. So, if, it's, if Hashem is sitting in his kisei of din, you can scream your brains out, and you can do all the tshuva you want. You're in deep, deep, deep water. Because in din, humans don't make it. We need to get God from his din kisei to his rachim kisei. And the way you get him to his rachim kisei is you have a relationship with him. If you have a relationship with him, then it's Banamatam Hashem, and then it's Salahti Kidvarecha, and that's so we have to work on to have a relationship with our Baruch Hu. And the way the Rambam is saying to have a relationship with Akash Baruch Hu is to see God in everything that you do and everything when you buy food, when you buy clothing. I don't I don't know if anyone knows. Because I was like out of the box. So I, I, I used to study all this stuff. Anyone here have silk ties? Come on, you have silk ties? No brionis? What's going on here? Do you know how silk is made? Did you ever bother looking or studying from a worm? Your silk tie is made from a worm. Hashem gave a worm, a little golem worm, the ability to produce silk, where they make the most beautiful ties from. So if you look at a tie, it's a tie. No, it's not silk. If you look at a tie, it's polyester. But if you look at a tie, it's a tie. If you look at a silk tie, you're like a kushbarhu. A worm? A worm made my tie? You gave it the ability to, to a bug? It's like, it's like whatever you do, you're connected to a kushbarhu. That's what we need to do. We need to develop that relationship. It's very, very, very important. I don't know if it happened in this yeshiva, but it's something that Rabbi Santa would definitely do. A guy came over to me a few weeks ago. I don't know who he is, by the Kaisel. He said, Rabbi Walton, I want to ask you a question. I'm like, okay, sure. A few questions. He said, there was a Rebbe. I don't know who the Rebbe is. And I don't know what yeshiva is. He had 25 boys in his class. And he closes the door and he says, listen boys, if a bomb goes off in his class and we all get killed, the kids are looking on the floor like, what, Rebbe? And we all get killed. Listen to this night day. He wanted to know what my answer would be. And we all die. We come to Shemayim Hashem says, Ivey, the bomb went off an hour early. Go back. You all get one more hour. Go back to the world. It's amazing. We all get one hour. The Rebbe asked the boys, and I'm asking all the guys in this room, what would you do with that hour? And he asked me, Rabbi Wallerstein, what would you do with that hour? I said, uh, the first thing I would do is go home to my wife and apologize for the way I treated her her whole life tell her I love her and that I really appreciate who she did and what she was for me um, then I would go to my mother and, and give her a big hug and a kiss and tell her how much I love her my father's not alive, I'll see him in an hour <laughs> and then I would say I go to all my, all my children, my daughters all my son-in-laws, I have to come all the way to Israel but whatever, I go to, I go to all my son-in-laws, my children, all my grandchildren and tell them how much I love them and how special they are, and maybe give them some instructions what I'd like them to do in their lives. Um, I don't know what I would do the second of a half hour. Should I learn? Should I say Tehillim? Should I Davin? Should I answer? Should I be Makar of people so that that's continuous forever, even after I'm gone? I don't know my second half hour. But I know my first half hour. 
So he asked, these, he asked this to the boys. And half of them did the first half hour. They couldn't do the second half hour. But then he turned to them and he said, but I know what you wouldn't do. You wouldn't go to the basketball court and play for an hour. You wouldn't watch a giant game. Because who cares? You're not going to be here for the Super Bowl anyway. You're not going to watch a Yankee game. You're not going to be here for the World Series anyway. You're not going to check, check your status on your phone because your status is over in an hour. It doesn't make a difference. You're not going to check your stocks because who cares? When it closes today, you're not even here. So I know what I wouldn't do. I definitely wouldn't be on my phone. Another thing I wouldn't do. I wouldn't call into bed and go to sleep for that hour. No way. So he turns to this, I don't know who this Rebbe is, but I need to find him. So he turns to his class, and he says, you got 24 hours today. Whatever that first half hour that you would do, you have to do every day. Call your wife, call your mother, call your grandchildren, call your kids. And whatever you wouldn't do in that first hour, don't do it. Because you don't know when your next half hour is and when your next minute is. No person knows what his life, what the length of his life is. So, you want to watch a Nick game, you want to watch a game, you're wasting your time. Because by the time they, they're, they're in anything or er, anything, you may not be here anymore. You want to be busy with your stocks, with your money, with your covered, with all that stuff. You want to stay in bed. You may never get out of bed. He says, so whatever on your list is you're not going to do, it's a waste of time. Don't do it. <coughs> Heavy. So he wanted to know what I would do. I told him my first half hour, I didn't know what to say. I told him what I wouldn't do. Half of that stuff I don't do anymore anymore, but don't think I can sit down to watch a movie. What movie only lasts an hour? Now you're going to see the end of the show. Ay, 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 ay. It's called the Cheshvila Nefesh. It's not so simple. It's not so simple. So the question is, we'll end with this. Because I got to go to sleep because I got to get up at 3 o'clock. I don't know when you guys are getting up, but I got to get up at 3 o'clock. Question is, it's a good speech, Rabbi Wallstein. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it's a good speech, Rabbi Wallstein. But it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Every single year, we say al for the same thing. And you know what? I'm going to look at al this year, and most of them I got to do again. Maybe one I cleaned up. I don't even know. Probably not. All the aches, lashon hara, bitzvayim, hainayas reya, looking at things they shouldn't, other men averes, all kinds of other stuff. Oh my gosh! Last year I said alchet, 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 and how many times we say it? I don't even know. Six times, five, six times, whatever. Alchet, alchet, and now I'm back next year, and the same alchet. I'm like, nah, I got to do it again. What happens? Everybody on Yom Kippur is on the highest level. Your mamish. And especially in yeshiva, you you, you come to Hashem Kim by by you're flying, you're flying. After Hurachim, you're not flying no more. But until you get to Hurachim, you're flying. That one second, that's what you have to ask. Hurachim Chavu what'd you do? You didn't do any sins, right? So you're already thinking about what you're going to do. <laughs> that's one test. Another test is that you didn't believe that you would be Mechaper. It's a much deeper test, whatever it is. So, so here's my story. We'll end with the story. I don't know if you've got... Whoever hears me on Torah anytime knows the story, but it is the story. So there was this young boy who was, he worked on Wall Street, and he's, he's, um, he's got this very cheap job. He's a mail, he works in a mail room. And... He walks by, there's a restaurant on Wall Street before you get to the stock exchange. Very fancy restaurant. And in the window is a bottle of wine 18, from 1875. 
It's like 150 years old. This young guy comes by the window, sticks his nose in the window. This never saw a bottle of wine from 1875. Whoever heard of such a thing? He looks at it, he goes, wow, I'd love to buy that. So he knocks on the window, Vajra D comes out, he says, what you looking at, boy? We don't need no, we don't need no bus boys, we don't need no ways. He goes, no, no, that bottle of wine from 1875, how much is that? He goes, shoo, come on, little boy, get out of here. Kid's a mailman, mail, he's nothing. He says, you want to know how much it is? Yeah, how much is it? He says, 10,000 cash. Oh, okay. He says, I told you, he walks away. Meanwhile, he starts to fantasize about this bottle. Every day, he walks by, and he looks at the bottle, and he starts to talk to it. Hi, baby. What's, what's happening? All alone in that poor window. One day, me and you, we get married. 1875, you're my baby. And this goes on, this Meshuggah, this goes on every single day. He's talking to her. And he says, and when we get married, the cork, I'm going to smell the cork, I'm going to pour the wine, I'm going to swish it in my... He has his fantasies. He's reading wine magazines to understand what he has to do with this wine bottle. He's taking chasen classes on a wine bottle. Stay. Anyway, he does this every single day. He's mamish in love. He's talking to this bottle. One day, he comes to his job. And they're like, you know, you've been really good for two years. We're, we're, we're going to give you a better job. You're going to become a stockbroker. We want to give you a bonus. Bonus? Okay. He gives him the bonus. He sits in his little closet, opens it up. $10,000. The guy's breaking into a sweat. Oh my gosh! $10,000? She's mine! Walks by the restaurant says, Babes! Thursday night, we get married. Calls up Zeller Tuxedos. Says, I want the best tuxedo you have Thursday night. Make sure it's in my house by 6 o'clock. Calls up a limo. Be here at 6 o'clock. I need you for four hours. Calls up the restaurant. Hello. Hi, how can we help you? I'd like a, a table for one. Really? Yes, I'm getting married. <laughs> but I have a special request. I want the table to face... The bottle of wine. Sure, you know, okay, no problem. They don't know who he is. He comes there, he's always, he hears all slick back, he's in a tuxedo, they don't recognize the stupid little kid that was running around with his jeans. He walks in, of course, everybody wants to be nice. Tuxedo, limo, he's going to give a big tip. He sits down. The girl comes over with the menu, it's in French, he can't read anything. He says, okay, give me an appetizer, an entree, soup, give me a soup, a main dish and a dessert. The most expensive you have tonight is my night. Okay. The waitress comes over to him and says, can I offer you a wine list? You're like, a wine list? I don't want a wine list. You see that bottle in the window? I want that bottle. 1875. She goes, it's not for sale. He says, it is for sale. Call the maitre d'. Maitre d comes over and says, "Excuse me." He says, "That bottle. I want that bottle. You told me it's ten thousand dollars." He says, "It is, but you have to have cash. We don't take credit cards, and for that bottle, no credit cards, no checks." He pulls it out like a big shot, and he hands it to him. Okay, 
Deal's a deal. But it's going to take us some time to get the bottle out of the window. So uh, we'll work on it. So he's sitting there and he gets his fish appetizer and the, stu- the, the waitress wants a big tip. She comes by and says, well, in the meanwhile, while you're waiting for that wine, how about a glass of white wine? Sure. Big glass of white wine. Knocks it back. He's not a wine drinker. This is a fantasy. Knocks it back. Main dish. Glass of cheap red wine. Knocks it back. Dessert. He's still waiting for them to get out of the window. Dessert. Sangria. Knocks it back. He is blitzed out of his brains. They come to him finally with this bottle. Boy, this beautiful bottle. His dream. His fantasy. He talked to the bottle for two years. And like, sir, would you like to open the bottle? Now this was his dream. But he's drunk. He's like, what kind of restaurant is this? You got to open your own bottle? They're like, no, 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 we'll open it for you, no problem. And they open it and they give him the cork and like, would you like to smell the cork? And his dream was that smelling that cork was like a big thing. It was like part of his big marriage. And he's like, corky? Corky don't smelly? Choom. Chucks it across the room. Guess I like, hey, don't throw it, you know. They say, um, can we, they saw he was drunk. They're like, can we pour the wine for you? He goes, wine, that's my wine. No, I'll pour it. And boys, he takes the wine and he just pours it. The glass is here and he just pours it. And all the wine goes on the tablecloth and all over his shirt. Not a drop left in the bottle. He just poured out $10,000, but worse than that, his wife, his life, his future, his fantasy. And they're like, oh my God. How about, how about, let us take the bottle, it's on the table, and give it to you as a souvenir. Bottle's empty! What kind of souvenir is that? Against across the wall, smashed into 100 pieces. Nothing left. His head goes down on the table. He's out. 11 o'clock, they wake him up. Some guy in here is, I'm just reading minds. One guy's like, wow, that must have been good stuff. Where did they get that stuff? Okay, but anyway, can't get it. You're not going to get a bottle. Anyway, so he wakes up and he says, where's my bottle of wine? And they're like, you spilled it out and broke it. He goes, liars, Penovin. This whole thing was a game. I stage, you stage this whole thing. I'm calling the police. They're like, no, no, no. Before you call the police, come upstairs. We have a video of the whole thing. And never, I can't even, I'd like to use the chair for a second. I can't even imagine he's sitting in a chair. There's a big screen. And he sees himself sitting and eating and drinking and eating and drinking. And then he's sitting there and he sees them bring the, I'm sorry, and he sees them bring the wine over and he's drunk and he's watching himself he's watching himself throw the cork across the room and then he's watching himself pour this wine all over his shirt all over the thing and he's screaming no it's my baby no I can't believe you I... like we didn't do it you did it you destroyed your fantasy does the zealot tuxedo mean anything anymore nothing does the limo mean anything anymore? <coughs> Nothing. Nothing means anything anymore. Why am I telling you this story? 
the bottle of wine, guys, is life. And every neshama, I can show you the zaya. Sometimes it takes five hundred years to get to this world. Every neshama waits its turn and has its nose up against the window of the world, and it sees a boy pia dama and a boy pia eats. And Yom Kippur, and Pesach, and Sukkot, and Mitzvahs, and Brachas, and children, and marriage. And it's like, Yafashor Achas, Ba'em Hazeb, Torah. Then the whole next world, everybody wants to come to this world. Fantasy. When I have kids, I'm going to bring them up like Tamidei Chachamim. When I get to centers, I'm going to plug. When I get there, it's throw. I'm going to be a masmid. I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. What happened? I'll tell you my own, my own, my own. When I was, I remember when I was engaged, my, my grandfather used to always take me to the Central Park Zoo. I loved the zoo, I loved the animals. I also loved crackerjacks, which were in kosher. And we always went to the zoo. And when I got married, I said to my wife, and I said to myself, Hashem gives me children. Every Sunday we're going to the Bronx Zoo. I'm married 42 years, never gone to the Bronx Zoo. <laughs> it's not funny. It's tragic. I have to go play ball. To go there, I can't get that back. So yeah, you have this excitement when I get married. I'm going to learn, and I'm going to finish shots. So what happened? What happened to that little boy that's looking in the window with all these dreams? Cheap wine. The other things in life that are unimportant that the Sutton comes and says, Yeah, yeah, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. But why are you working on finishing shots? Go, 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 you know, go hang out in Yehuda, watch the Giants. You can't finish shots if you're watching the Giants in Machin Yehuda. And don't go. It's cheap wine. This stuff is cheap wine. Girls, all this other stuff that he throws at you, you're like, Yeah, I'm going to get there anyway. I'm going to get there anyway. And all of a sudden you go through your whole life. And you got nowhere because you got drunk on all the garbage. And you didn't stay focused. Now why am I telling you this Erev Yom Kippur? Because what are you asking for tomorrow night and, and the next day, Yom Kippur? What is everyone in this room asking for? You're asking for the bottle of wine. You're asking for life. All the other stuff doesn't happen. If you're dead, you don't, you don't have money. You're not getting married. You're not having kids. If you're dead, all that stuff don't happen. So the most important thing is you need life. Then you got all the details. Then it comes all the details. You need life. So you say to Hashem, I want the bottle in the window. That's what you're saying to Hashem. And you said it last year too. And you said it the year before too. And then what happens? The Sultan comes and he gives us all the cheap wine and all the stupidity, mainly the smartphones. It's welcome you guys don't have, but mainly smartphones. And all the things that in that half hour, if Hashem gave you life, you wouldn't do. All those stupid things that you wouldn't do. Movies, girls, I don't know what, what guys do. I don't, I don't know what you do, what you don't do. Sports, all this other stuff that you follow. Of course, you, playing sports is very healthy. But all the other stuff that you waste time that you wouldn't do, that's the stuff that's going to take your bottle out of the window and smash it against the wall. And you'll come back from Eretz Yisrael and you'll be like, I wasted a year. What did I do? But I had these dreams. I was going to become a Tamachacham. I'm going to change my midos. I was going to come back and have kibbutz of aim for my parents. I was going to know how to treat a girl, how to treat a woman, how to be a mensch. I was going to change my whole life. That's why I came to centers. And then the Satan comes and he's, yeah, just have a bottle of wine, a little glass, a little rosé, a little this, a little that. And all of a sudden your whole year is up and you're back to a chait. For the worst things in the world, I'm still doing them. Because you, dra- you got drunk. You got drunk. 
you lost focus. You got to focus this Yom Kippur. As you're asking Hashem for life, you're telling Hashem, I will sit at my table until you get that bottle of wine called life and bring it to me. I'm not eating any of that other stuff. I'm not wasting my time with with Yeshiva World and WhatsApp and all this other stupidity that people waste. Because you would never come back and do that if you had a half an hour to life. You wouldn't even look at your phone. Somebody say, "Here, check out your phone." Why, you know, what's you say? Get get away with my phone. I got, I got, I got people to love. I got people to talk to. I got people to take care of. I got things to do. I got a half an hour of life. I'm, he, he, this kid made me crazy. I'm thinking about this the whole time on the plane, wherever I am. I'm like, "What are you doing, second half hour?" So Shem said to me, "I'm giving you an extra hour. What are you doing?" I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer yet. Maybe I'll come here and learn. I don't know. No, I'm saying, I don't know, but I know my first half hour. I don't have a question. So now I got to, yeah, I got to call Ari every day. Got to call my children, my grandchildren every day and tell them I love them. Because I don't know why, I don't, a person doesn't know what's going to be. But I definitely know what I'm not going to do. I definitely know I had a very hard challenge on the way here. Mama Tzasatan. So I love Westerns since I'm a kid. I love Westerns. The good, bad, and the ugly, and all the other stuff. And I'm sitting on the plane. And I, I put on the, the, the flight tracker. You know, nine hours, eight hours and 58 minutes, eight hours and 54 minutes. You know, you're now over the ocean, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, bing, on my screen, a Western. And I don't have the sound. And I'm like, well, if I watch it, and, and, and I wasn't being, I couldn't sleep. So if I watch it without sound... Is that considered watching it? Just a bunch of guys shooting each other and dynamite and something like that, right? I'm like, but Zachary Wallstein, number one, you talk against it. Number two, you're going to Eretz Yisrael from Kippur. Like, what are you doing? Like, like, doesn't. And then they have titles on the bottom in Hebrew, so now I, had, I didn't have to listen to it. I could see the titles. So I went back to Flight Tracker. Okay, finished with a test. Ten minutes later, Flight Tracker goes off. It's back on again. I'm like, this is not, this is not, this is weird. This is not normal. And then this thing that this boy told me two weeks ago came in and said, would you watch a Western if you had a half an hour left? Something that's not even true. I just turned the whole thing off. And I fell asleep. I'm just telling you something that just happened. It's a big test. And to you, it might sound stupid, but when you can't sleep, so you just put something on the screen just so, uh, until you fall asleep. No, you can't, I can't, I, that's garbage. And, and I would never, that, that, that's killing me. He killed me, this kid. Because all the stuff that I really enjoy, I wouldn't do that first half hour. He killed me. The story of this Rebbe killed me. He killed me. Like, go back, go buy a bag of corn chips and dipsy doodles? No, I'm not doing that. I have a half an hour. I'm going to give the worms a dipsy doodles. Like, what am I doing? So all of a sudden, my whole, your whole way of thinking, your whole way of thinking starts to change. Food changes, everything changes. And you have 24 hours a day. So half an hour, you can definitely give to that first half an hour that you would give if Hashem gave you back a half an hour. Wow. Huge. And how are we going to focus? How are we going to get into the Bez and Shalmaila? The way we're going to get into the Bez and Shalmaila is we're going to have a relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu. How do we have a relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu? Whatever we eat, whatever we see, we're always talking about Him. When we're sitting, we're talking about Him. When we're learning, of course, when you're learning, you're talking about Him. So that's not a problem. When you're davening, you're talking about Him. We're going to do all that. One more thing I want you guys to do. So, I don't know the yeshiva. I don't know, I don't know what you do, what you don't do. But, in, in the sound of Tokev, you say, in Bikitsoy and Loi right? So everybody looks at 
Are you going to die when you're supposed to? Or are you going to die early? But could also mean who in his time and who gets extra time because of the love So it's not a bad thing. How do you give someone else extra time? If I want to give someone here extra time, how do I give them extra time? Can't give them extra time. It's not up to me. There's one way. And we came up with this this year. So in, in Flatbush, by Avina Malkano Flatbush, there were 2,000 women. There were more, but we, can't, we knew there were 2,000 women. So I got up and I said, they Googled, they Googled, that a person speaks, a normal person speaks 150 words a minute. It's a normal person, not a, uh, what's it called, um, speaks like 400 a minute, uh, auctioneer. Right? But a normal person speaks 150 words a minute. Okay. How many minutes are there in an hour? There's 60. So if you do 150 times 60, that means in an hour a normal human being speaks 9,000 words. 9,000 words in an hour. Yom Kippur is 25 hours. So if you continually talked on Yom Kippur, you would talk 225,000 words. If you do a tiny Dibur, and you take home before Yom Kippur, I will not speak one word of Chol. I will speak Torah, I will speak Tefillah, but I will not speak any words of Chol whatsoever on Yom Kippur. First of all, it's a big thing to do with Tanis Dibur because, because it, 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 it forgives you for anything you did with your mouth. If you said Lashon Hara, you answered your parents back, you lied, whatever you do with your mouth, that's how you, clear, that's how you clean your mouth. But outside of that, so we figured that night, the two, if the 2,000, I asked the 2,000 women, to take on a Tanis Dibur, 2,000 times 225,000 words is 450 million words. So I asked everyone to donate the words they're saving to somebody who has no more words. Because it's brought down that when a person comes to this world, every person is given a certain number of words. When you use up your words, you die. So there are people out there that are using up their words and they're supposed to die. But now we're going to go ahead, Klai Yisrael, and we're going to do a Tanis Dibur, not for ourselves. We're going to say all these words, billion, two billion, five billion words, we're putting into the bank. Hashem used that for people who need more time, and we're giving them our words. What bigger Bein Adam Lamakam is that? Bein Adam Lachavera. And it helps you. Because if you do a Tanis Dibur, your whole davening is different. One more story. So there was a, a kid that needed open heart surgery and the, the best hospital in, in America is in Boston. And there was a, a, a general, a surgeon that was very famous there and he would do this open heart surgery on kids. He never lost, ever, ever lost a patient. One day these parents bring him, they do the operation, whatever, to make long story short, this little baby gets fever, gets more fever, gets more fever and dies. This top doctor resigns. He says, I made up when I went out of medical school that if I lose a patient, I'm out. Okay? So they're trying to get him to stay. They're trying to get him to stay. And say, okay, let's take a look at your whole anesthesiologist, your whole crew. There were 28 people in his crew. Let's make sure that none of them were drugging or dirty or whatever it is. And they checked them all out. They, they checked out all their things. They slept 20... They did everything they had to. He says, that's it. I'm out. I quit. He's putting all his books together. He's putting his closet together. The knock on the door. 
What? I'm leaving. Leave me alone. No, hi, um, Doc, can I speak to you for a minute? Who are you? Helen. I don't know any Helen. There's no Helen on my team. Please, doctor, I killed that child. You what? Opens the door. She's a lady that he never saw before. What do you mean you killed that child? She says, you don't see me, but I sterilized, after the operation, I sterilized the instruments. And that day, after the operation, before this child, my child had an emergency, and I went out, and I wasn't sure if I just washed them, they were wet, or I sterilized them, and then after you did the operation, I really I couldn't I couldn't tell you, but I realized I never sterilized it from before. So all the all the bacteria from the other baby that you worked on, you ended up putting straight into this kid's heart. I really apologize. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with me. You can have the best hospital. Rabbi Center's yeshiva. You're all davening. Best hospital. The best doctor. Rabbi Center and all the rabbeim. But if the instruments that are being used have bacteria, they're tamay, then you kill the tefillah. So someone who talks Lashon Hara, or talks bad about someone, or talks during davening, has to sterilize the instrument. How do you sterilize the instrument, your tongue, your mouth? By taking on a tiny steeper. Then your mouth becomes clean, and your tefillah goes unblemished without any bacteria so I don't know if you can if you can't you can learn you can dive in you can talk in Tyro that's, that's no problem just Dvarim Batalim it's also much for you for the Dvarim Batalim you speak on Shabbos and Devrechol and Devopeh and all that other stuff and say before Tilozaka I am donating my words to someone who needs it and if Hashem sees that we care about each other that much we'll be Zechem Hashem Tov, Shin, Pei, Tiesh, Nas, Freilach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.